1: Let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, it's a word that's so wonderful. Lord, it's not just interesting, it's actually life giving to us as we, Lord, take it into us. And so we pray, Lord, that that you would help us this morning as we study your word to live by these words that come from your mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 46. Now we're going to be looking at the last part of this chapter starting at verse 29, Genesis 46:29, "'Joseph made ready his chariot "'and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen, "'and presented himself unto him, "'and he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. "'Israel said unto Joseph, "'Now let me die, since I have seen thy face, "'because thou art yet alive.'" Joseph said unto his brethren and unto his father's house, I will go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, My brethren and my father's house, which were in the land of Canaan, are come unto me. And the men are shepherds, for their trade hath been to feed cattle, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And it shall come to pass, when Pharaoh shall call you and shall say, What is your occupation? That ye shall say, Thy servant's trade hath been about cattle from our youth. Even until now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell, that we, you may dwell, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians. Okay, now we've come in our study here to really the, the climax. As we've been studying here, chapter forty six, it's the climax. Really, you could look at it this way: in the history of Joseph, and it's this reunion between Joseph and his father Jacob. And when you look at that reunion, it's described in verse 29 as a meeting. It says that Joseph went up to meet Israel, his father. And this is the climax great meeting here of Joseph and Jacob. And it's filled, as we've seen, with a lot of emotion that that it's just kind of difficult for us really to imagine what this meeting was really like. But this was a great meeting that happened between Jacob and Joseph. And actually, when you look at this chapter and you put it together with the next chapter, 46 and 47, there were really three great meetings that took place. This great meeting here in verse 29 here where Joseph meets Jacob is the second of the three great meetings. Now, it's the second. So what do you think was the first great meeting of this chapter? I'll give you a hint, it's in verse two. (laughs) <laughs> it's the meeting between who? Jacob and God, that's right. It's a meeting between Jacob and God. That's the meeting in verse two when it says, and God spoke unto Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, you he said, here am I. So this is the great meeting, this first meeting is the great meeting between God and Jacob that Jacob had really yearned for so much and it was so important to him that when the caravan is moving on its way from, from from Hebron there down to Egypt, that he calls a halt and a stop in Beersheba, and he says, I can't go on any further until I have this vital meeting with God. What a meeting that was. Very important to Jacob. And I mean, just picture yourself. If you were Jacob in that great meeting between you and God, and, and you had to choose one word, just one word to describe that meeting, what word would you choose? yes reassurance It's reassurance why why was it reassurance because because jacob came to that meeting terrified he was afraid he was fearful he was afraid of leaving canaan is this a good idea for me me to leave the place where, where God had called me to. I mean, last, last time he remembers doing that, he said, well, I'll just kind of camp out here in Shechem or by Shechem. That was a disaster. Rape of his daughter, murder by his his sons of all the Shechemites. So he's thinking, it's not a good thing to leave where God has called me to. So he needs reassurance that he's on the right track here. And so that's what this was. It was so vital to him. and, 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 and that because in this great meeting, this first great meeting, God had said to him, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. It's okay. Why? Because I'm going to go with you. I'll be with you down there. So it was a reassurance for Jacob. Now we come to this second meeting here, the one we're talking about now, this great meeting here between Joseph and Jacob. And again, if you were to just to pull a word, one word to describe this meeting between Jacob and Joseph, what would the word be? Okay, reconciliation, a reunion, a reconciliation. What else? I don't know. I might choose the word unexpected. It was totally unexpected. I mean, Joseph, he didn't know if his father was alive or not. In fact, that's the question when he finally his brothers came to him. He asked, Is my father not my father? Is your father yet live? You know, so he he didn't know. And as far as Jacob was concerned, uh, Joseph was assumed to be dead. So it was totally unexpected. It was totally unexpected. And this is what makes God's answers to prayer so marvelous. Because the answers that come are just so totally unexpected. That's what he said in Jeremiah 33.3. 3. In Jeremiah 33.3, 3, God says, call unto me, I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That's a description of being unexpected. The great and mighty things which thou knowest not. His answers to prayer are unexpected. I mean, just think of Joshua's battle that he had with the Amorites in Joshua 10. In Joshua 10, 9, there's this description of the battle between Joshua and the Amorites where it says, Joshua, therefore, came unto them suddenly and went up to, from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them along the way that goeth up from Beth Horon and smote them to Azekah and unto Meccadah. And it came to pass that they fled from before Israel and were in the going down at Beth that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Azekah and they died and there were more which died from the hailstones then they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand, st- stand thou still until Gib- uh, uh, upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. It's written in the book of Jeshur. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkeneth the voice of man for the Lord fought for Israel. Can you imagine the military captains sitting down the day before the battle so they could plan out the attack? And they're sitting there and they're saying, now, let's see now. About this time in the attack, great hailstones should fall out of the sky. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, when we're doing the mop-up routine, Joshua should command the sun to stand still. There's no way. There's no way. They never would have. They never expected that. And no one would have expected that God would have divided the Red Sea to deliver Israel and destroy the Egyptian army. And no one would have, would have expected that the wall of Jericho would just fall down and no one would have expected that the besieging army of Sennacherib with 200,000 men should be destroyed one night by an angel. It was all unexpected. And that's what, the, that's what God does when he answers prayer. He does it with the unexpected. That's what makes it so marvelous. Now, in other words, so we could say unexpected, it's just reunion. In other words, we could say is emotional. This was an emotional meeting. I mean, Joseph couldn't control his tears. He just wept on and on and on. And I mean, can't you imagine that as, as as the family is sitting there looking at this, and as Joseph, and they're watching Joseph just lose total control, buried in the neck of Jacob. And another another word words we could use to describe this meeting was it was longed for. There was a yearning here. I mean, it, it, Jacob indicates here how he he really this was like the hope against hope, but it was the the desire of his life. So much so that he said, oh, I've seen your face now. I'll go die. I can die now. It was like what he really longed for. And then it was a happy reunion. I mean, people would look at it and say, oh, those tears must be sad. No, they were tears of joy. And there must have been a happy celebration. So that was the second meeting there. But wait, there's another one. There's a third meeting. So the third meeting actually doesn't happen until the next chapter, which we'll come to in chapter 47. But... There is a preparation for the third meeting. What's that third? Who's the third meeting between? Yeah, Pharaoh and Jacob. Pharaoh and Jacob. is, is And that's going to be, as we're going to pick some words for that one. That's going to be the word interesting. <laughs> that's going to be an interesting meeting between, between contrasts. The, uh, 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 a man who looked homeless, you know, but he was great. And, and pharaoh two greats meet each other what a contrast that's going to be as far as earth is concerned pharaoh is great because egypt is a great nation on earth as far as heaven is concerned jacob is great because he's the prince of god israel now another another word that's going to use, you could use to describe that third meeting is the word instructive instructive it's going to be very very instructive it's going to be instructed for pharaoh i mean he's going to meet the prince of god and He's going to get a blessing from the prince of God. That's going to be very instructive for him. It's also going to be very instructive for Jacob. Jacob is going to stand before a heathen king, and he's going to just marvel that this Egyptian pharaoh was the instrument that God used to preserve his family. Now, okay, so we'll come back to the second meeting. That's what we're really focused on now. We've got the second meeting going now, and we see in the second meeting it's so emotional so much emotion that both Joseph and Jacob, they just can't believe their eyes. I mean, for Jacob, he can't believe, I'm really looking at Joseph. And, and, and for, for, for uh, I mean, this is the way it is for Jacob. Jacob's looking at a person he's, who, for all intents and purposes, for him, he says, I'm looking at a person that came back from the dead. <laughs> because as far as I was concerned, he was dead and he's back. And, and, and Jacob knew that, I mean, he knew Prior to this meeting for some time, when he was going down there, he knew he was alive because he was told that by his brothers. He knew that he was alive. But, you know, there's just nothing like seeing, you know, and and with your own eyes. And, and, And that was what was happening. That's what happened here in verse 29. Jacob is coming around, and he's really, you can almost see him saying, Joseph, is it really you, Joseph? Is it really? This really is Joseph is what was starting to dawn on him. So this scene of, of seeing Jacob see Joseph here is what heaven's gonna be like for us. I mean, we're gonna take the place of Jacob and the Lord Jesus is gonna take the place of Joseph and because when, and, 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 and we're like Jacob right now. We're back in Canaan and we've heard that Joseph is alive. We've heard the Lord Jesus is alive. And, and, but, 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 and, that, and that belief is important for us I mean, you know, we celebrate this and, and, and every morning with the breaking of bread, and it's really that belief that causes a joy in us, what Peter talks about in 1 Peter 1, 1.8, 1 1, 8, where he said, Whom, having not seen, ye love. In whom, though you, though you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We haven't seen the Lord, but we love him. We haven't seen the Lord Jesus, but we believe he is alive. And that brings a certain quality of joy to us that is described as unspeakable and full of glory. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of amazing when the Bible talks about us seeing things which are not seen. It's kind of, a, as it says in 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That's saying we are looking at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That statement is so paradoxical. It's so contradictory in 2 Corinthians 4.18 when it says, we look, at, we, we look at the things not seen. <laughs> How can you look at something not seen? But it's important. It's important to look at the things not seen because the things that are not seen are eternal whereas the things that are seen are temporary. And just think about how everything that you can see now is temporary. It's going to be destroyed. I mean, I'm looking at you right now, and I'm seeing how you all look, and, 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 and you're, you're looking how I look, and you've been looking at me for uh, 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 40 years, and you've seen how I've changed. <laughs> And that's what's happening with us. And, and eventually when we die, the bodies that we look at right now, they're all going to disintegrate. They're going to be gone in, in, in the grave. But, but because they're not eternal, but in this class, I'm speaking to your souls. I'm speaking to your souls. I can't see your souls, but your souls are eternal. Your souls are eternal. And it's true that we see things that are not seen because we use the eyes of faith, the eyes of faith, the eyes of our understanding, as the Bible calls it about. With those eyes, we, we make decisions how we should walk in life, It says that in, in, in Second Corinthians 5, 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, which says, we walk by faith, not by sight, not by sight, it's the eyes of faith. Faith for us is very important. Faith, as far as the world goes, when people see faith, that's an evidence of things not seen. That's what it says in, in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith is substance of things hoped for. It's evidence of things not seen. You know, that reminds me, I, I always think about this when Scott Ramo, who was leaving one prayer meeting, and his, uh, it was raining, and, he, and, he, and, a, and a lady had waved down his car down there on Mission Gorge Road and told him that, uh, she needed a ride to a hotel and so they, she, Scott said, okay, so Scott took her to the hotel and on the way over to the hotel, the lady propositioned Scott and Scott said, but uh, I'm married. And then she said, but no one would know. And Scott said, but God would know. <laughs> what was that? That was in Scott, his faith was the evidence of things not seen, like God who would know is not seen. Now, we come back to verse 29 here. So Joseph is weeping. So it says in verse 29 that Joseph is weeping, and it says he wept a good while. Now, he is so overcome with emotion that he's just not able to control his tears, and, 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 and the Hebrew, so it says here in the English, it says a good while. It's interesting because when you look at that a good while, you think, oh, it's a long time. Well, it kind of means that in the Hebrew, but really it's, it has the connotation of with repetition, with repetition. So the sense of the Hebrew word is that there was one wave of crying after another wave of crying and there just wasn't a lot of relief in between. It's kind of, it's, it, it was like this driving, he was being driven from one wave of crying to the other. So He cried as much as he could, then he kind of took a little break, whatever it was, and then another one came. And that reminds me of the time when Jonathan had a signal that he was sending to, king, to David, who wasn't king at that time, to David, who was in hiding, and it was that when Jonathan shot these arrows way over the head of the lad who was gathering the arrows, that that would be the signal to David who was in hiding that, his, that Jonathan's father, Saul, wanted to kill David. And so then the lad leaves, and they all, and they, Jonathan and David uh, meet, and it was a very emotional time. And it says in 1 Samuel 20, verse 41, 1 Samuel twenty forty one. As soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept one with another, until David exceeded. So this was such a long time of, of crying that it was going to be, well, who's going to outlast the other? <laughs> and it turns out that David outlasted the other, and, and, and it was a long time. It was the idea there. J- Joseph had wept on Benjamin, but it didn't say for a good while. It only says that when he met, wept with, with, with Jacob, this, re- this repetition of these waves of crying. Okay, now finally, Jacob is the first to speak in verse 30. And Israel said unto Joseph, verse 30, Israel said unto Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen thy face, because thou art yet alive. So Jacob has seen Joseph, and with that sight, Jacob says, Now I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. He says, Now let me die. It's interesting that when we look at this that we can ask some questions about what exactly was Jacob's view of death how did Jacob view death and it shows us that, that as far as Jacob was concerned there wasn't a fear there was almost like a joy in, in Jacob's view of death he was almost like a looking forward to death because Jacob realizes that there is life beyond the grave he knows that there is life beyond the grave you know Death for Jacob and for, as it's described in the Bible, is like a lying down and a falling asleep. Falling asleep is how it describes when it talks about in Daniel that many shall sleep in the dust of the earth and shall awake. So it is a lying down to fall asleep and then a reawakening, in, in, in the case of Jacob, with the fathers, called a gathering to the fathers, Abraham and Isaac. So for Jacob, death was a gathering to his people. Well, who were his people? Who were Jacob's people? Well, Jacob's people were the people who trusted in Jehovah Jesus. They trusted in him. So when Jacob died, he was gathered to his people, and that's exactly what did happen to Jacob when he did die in Genesis 49 33. Genesis 49:33. It describes the death of Jacob. It says, when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he yielded up, he, he gathered up his feet into the bed. And you've got a picture of that, sort of pulling his feet up into the bed, sitting on the edge. And he says, okay, pulls his feet into the bed. After all, you got to be proper when you die. And then he yielded up the ghost. And then it says he was gathered unto his people. He was gathered unto his people you know, as I said, those are those who put their trust in the God of Jacob, in the God of Jacob, who's Jehovah Jesus. And the Bible calls those people wheat. It calls those people wheat. Wheat is the people of God. And those who don't trust in the God of Jacob, those who don't trust in Jehovah Jesus, those are called tares. And tares are not the people of God. And, 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 and death is described by the Lord Jesus in Matthew 30, 13, 30, Matthew thirteen thirty, where he said, let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So death is to be gathered either with the tares for those who have not trusted in Jehovah Jesus Or to be gathered with the wheat with those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus. And Jacob has this confidence when he says, now let me die. There's a confidence there. Now, this is not to say that the lost don't have confidence. They do. They do. They have a confidence that what will happen to them after death will be good. I mean, how many times have you been to the funeral of a lost person and you can hear people say, well, he or she has gone to a better place.
0: Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051.
2: Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal we hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time for more information visit us at israelalive.org that's israelalive.org You are invited to the fourth annual Taste of Creation Benefit Dinner and silent auction in support of the Life and Light Foundation on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. We will highlight the Life and Light Ministries that include the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism, and the Friendship with God Radio Ministry. Learn how your faithful support impacts the furtherance of the gospel to millions of lost people. All registered guests will take a walk through history and experience amazing foods themed for each exhibit. Everyone will have the opportunity to take home some amazing auction items, and we will hear from Creation Museum President Tom Cantor. The cost of the event is $39 per person and $59 per couple. Register today at tasteofcreation.com. That's tasteofcreation.com.